you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Monday, September 12th, and you are listening to NFL Total Access, the podcast. That is the voice of MJ Acosta Ruiz, the host of NFL Total Access, an unapologetic fan of the Miami Dolphins. And a touchdown from Waddle! What a gutsy Jalen Waddle! That she will celebrate later. She'll also explain why what happened to Trey Lance in Chicago is a plus, a positive, a very good thing. In fact, it's exactly what the 49ers needed to happen. Lance back, throws middle, it is intercepted by Eddie Jackson. But first, eight games decided by seven points or fewer. Six games decided by three points or fewer. That ties a long-standing week one NFL record, and that has us asking... How good is this season going to be? MJ, Mike M, Willie Mack, David Carr, and Coach Mooch, take it. What a weekend we had. I mean, highly anticipated games all over the place. A lot of good teams got beat. There was a lot of emotion with guys. The Giants finally won a game. Poor Giants. Poor MetLife Stadium. They haven't had, they, for five years, that, that stadium has been crying because those are the teams that lose the most games in the league. And all of a sudden, the Giants go for two and win the game over a good Tennessee team. It was a great finish. I love it. I think that the best part of what happened on Sunday was I was sitting there on the early games and I had correctly predicted everyone with about four minutes left in the game. And then in the matter of five minutes, I literally had lost every game. It was the, it was the most bizarre, fun, exciting kickoff for a weekend of football that I can remember. And so it's, it's just a, hopefully it's the tip of the iceberg for the rest of the season. So many things about yesterday. First, I could not be a kicker in this league. Tackle me all you want, but put the game on the line on my back to get it through the uprights. 
51 yards in some cases? Absolutely not. It's way too much pressure. I give these guys so much credit because it was brutal for many, many of these kickers. And why am I specifying the kickers? Because so many of these games came down to less than a score. Many of them just a field goal, if not less than that one-point game. We got a tie in there. It showed me that this league is so unpredictable. And whatever we thought happened at the end of the season was going to carry over to this year? Absolutely not. Week one's league is not last year's league. That is done. Take it out of your brain. And these teams came out there and showed us that right from the start. I think based off of what we saw last season in the postseason, it's abundantly clear that the league has a ton of parity. But then you go to week one and all these close games, you talk about the overtime matchups to get a game one season opener that's a tie between the Colts and the Texans, two teams that came into this season with very different expectations, just polar opposites of where both of those squads were. To me, it, it just screams. It's a testament to the amount of parity that is in the NFL. It's what the league wants. It's what the league needs. The top teams need to come down just a little bit, and the bad teams need to come up a little bit, and that's what happened. Think about it. Just in the NFC, you're talking about Packers lose, the Rams lose, the 49ers lose, the Cowboys lose, okay? Bring it down. Tampa's still hanging around. But then the the other teams, like the Lions scored 35 points. The Jets were right there. The Giants won. The Jags almost won. I mean, those are the teams. Texans get a draw. Texans get a tie. And so, I mean, so those teams, you know what, there's, it gives the city something to cheer for for a little bit here. Gives them hope, right? Okay, very likely the Dallas Cowboys do not share our enthusiasm today. Yeah, Cooper Rush has replaced Prescott getting medical attention. Dallas fell to the Bucks. Dak fell to bad luck. Is the sky falling next? The sky is not falling in Dallas. It might be a little partly cloudy. It might look like rain. I might. It might not be a blue skies day, all right, or season, because there's some things, right? They're not the same um, in their receiving core. Heck, we saw that game against Tampa Bay, and it was like, oh, geez, what's wrong with the Cowboys? And last year's game against Tampa Bay when they opened the season, Dak threw for 403 yards. But you know who, who caught a lot? Amari Cooper had 13 catches, 139 yards, and two touchdowns. And you know he's not there anymore. Neither Cedric Wilson. Neither was Michael Gallup. I mean, their guys are missing. It's hard to be yourself when when part of your team is not there, okay? Well, now a big part of the team is not there for a little while. Dak Prescott. Oh, yeah, you had to bring that up. It's a shame. It's a shame to see marquee play. It's a shame to see anybody get hurt. But the marquee players in this league that, that uh, give a team, an organization, a city a chance, and that Typically, is the quarterback right, and uh, you know he's he's a guy they're counting on, and uh, and and you're talking about an injury that, and he's had injuries before, but you're talking about an injury that you just can't help. I mean, when a hand hits a helmet, that's what happens to quarterbacks. Hands hit helmets in practice and games. What are you gonna do? And so it's just kind of unlucky, right? So what are you going to do? I'm sure they're talking about it like crazy, like every minute with their scouting department. Um, do we go with Cooper Rush, who's our backup, who's been here, who knows the system, and he's not bad, he's a good guy, and, uh, and all of that? Or do you go find somebody else's backup? My first call is the quarterback coach, the offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore, and the head coach. And I'm, I would ask, I have to determine, is Cooper Rush the guy that can hold down the fort until Dak gets back? What if it, the answer is no? 
If the answer is no, now we're going to go look. Now we're going to we're going to go find another. It has to be another backup unless you call Drew Brees and say, hey, Drew, are you bored? You want to come out? You want to come and play another year for for the Dallas Cowboys? He is a Texas kid. Um, but but let's just uh, that's not going to happen. But let's talk about the backups in the league. That's where they're going to they're going to evaluate. And they have a, good pro personnel departments have an evaluation on everybody in the league already. Okay. Now the discussion is what about Jimmy G? All right. We got to learn more about the health of his shoulder. Is he capable of playing next week? We want to learn more about Mason Rudolph or, or, or uh, Tyler Huntley or uh, Sam Darnold's a backup. He started before in this league. You know, those kinds of guys, Tyrod Taylor. I mean, these guys, some of them have more experience than others, but is it Jimmy G who has been to two championship games and a Super Bowl, one 35 games um, and you know, no other quarterbacks in San Francisco can win except Jimmy G. Uh, so those are the kind of conversations that are going on. Is the sky falling in Dallas? Y- yes, it, it definitely is. And it's easy to say that because Dak's hurt. That's, e- that's the easy out. I would argue that even if he wasn't hurt, the sky would be falling because what I saw from Kellen Moore was honestly what I saw when he was at Boise State. I saw a guy that was attempting based on what he knows, and that's what coaches do. They'll do what they do. They do what they've always done, and they do what they know. And he knows razzle-dazzle, a little bit of trickery. We'll throw Pollard out there and Zeke. We'll do some double reverses. Well, when you're playing the Bucks and you're playing a good defense, now that's going to make you look bad regardless. Now, they did try a little bit to run the football downhill with Zeke early. They quickly got away from it, and they went to these gimmicky-type runs. And that's not, what, that's not what knocked them out of the playoffs what the 49ers did to them was physically just beat them up. Now, the Cowboys don't have a lot going on outside right now. They have CeeDee Lamb, Gallup's hurt. There's no Amari Cooper. That guy, he's not coming back, right? So you have what you have. You have to play, what I argued in the offseason, is you have to play inside out. You have to play run first, heavy run first. Make them bring that extra guy in the box and create the one-on-ones for your guys. Like you don't have the guys and you don't have the scheme to just scheme up these guys on the outside and beat these elaborate coverages that you're going to face you have to create a, a, a real concern that you're just going to run the ball straight at these teams. And if you don't do that, you don't have the guys outside, right? So you're, you're in a bad spot, especially now, without your starting quarterback. Oh, listen, I am concerned. I am concerned for La- Dallas. Don't forget, I had the upset in this game. I had Dallas beating the Bucks by a small margin, but still. Um, I think the bigger issue here, um, if you just take away the fact that they were going up against Brady once again— um, and the offense that they have there, and even Brady said he didn't play a great game. Um, I think there's a lot of lot of different holes, and now the biggest and most glaring hole is the fact that Dak Prescott will be out for several weeks with that hand injury. Last year, the Cowboys, of course, lost to the Bucks, lost week one, and then went on a six-game win streak. However, their starting QB was still very much intact and very much in the mix. So it's a very different situation, and that part for me definitely gives me pause. I, I'm probably the worst person to ask about a week one performance where Dallas struggled and now loses Dak Prescott because, to be fair, I wasn't high on them heading into the season. I still thought Philadelphia had a chance. I wanted to see what Carson Wentz was going to look like for the Commanders. And as a Giants fan, I was still kind of secretly hoping that the G-men would look good, and they did because of Saquon Barkley. But to me, look, there's too many 
uh, wide receivers that, that have now changed jerseys. We know that Gallup wasn't playing. C.D. Lamb was somewhat neutralized. I was worried about that offensive line just like everyone else. And look, it's a tough test because Tampa's front seven is as good as there is in the NFL. But now without Dak... I would be overly concerned. I, look, I, not to hand it to, to Philadelphia at this point, but to me, the Eagles now have solidified themselves after at least one week as the team to be in that division. I would say this. It's big because it's a starting quarterback, and we know what this team looks like without Dak. But following up from last year and seeing with Dak why this team didn't do what they were supposed to do in the playoffs and play at a certain level, it's some of the same things that exist. They're not physical and tough in the trenches. Um, you know, they got the ball, ran against them. They couldn't stop the run with the Bucks. The Bucks had their way with them there. Um, the penalties, they still had 10 penalties. Micah Parsons specifically said after last year's game, we can't beat ourselves. We can't have self-inflicting wounds with these penalties, false starts, whatever the case may be, to hold us back. They had the penalties. And then there's really no identity offensively. You lose some major pieces. You lose Amari Cooper. You lose Cedric Wilson. You lose some, some key pieces. What is the Cowboys' identity on, the, on offense? You can't really tell me. In the running game, I saw a lot of gimmicky runs. I didn't see power football like what I'm used to with that offensive line in the running game with Zeke. I saw them try to force Pollard into certain situations where it didn't work out. I saw a lot of plays where they got tackled and hit behind the line of scrimmage, which means the D-line for the Bucks was playing on their line of scrimmage. And I just didn't see anything to give me an inkling of like um, something positive that they're going in the right direction. The adjustments wasn't made by Kellen Moore once again. And I was just sitting there saying, okay, what is this? What is that? Who are the Dallas Cowboys offensively? They're going to take away CeeDee Lamb, okay? Teams are smart. You went against Todd Bowles in a, in a veteran defense. They're going to take away your number one option at receiver and at the running back position. They're going to make other guys try to beat you. I didn't see the adjustments. I thought Noah Brown did a, did a good job. I think I thought he was decent. Outside of that, I know they didn't have Michael Gallup, and, and we can make whatever excuse in the world, but it's just what you see and how they play is what worries you. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? Because he didn't need it. 
<laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is NFL Total Access, the podcast. And when you outgain a team by 150 yards, outpossess them by 18 minutes, and outnumber them by 20 first downs, you're supposed to outscore them too. Unless, of course, you're facing Mike Tomlin, TJ Watt, and Minka Fitzpatrick. The Steeler defense comes up huge on a fourth down play in their own territory. It was it was impressive. I think and they nearly lost. And then and somehow they nearly lost. So that's the part where we're all confused. Like, wait a minute now. How do you go out there and do all this and impress us the way you did and then almost lose the game? So a lot still needs to be cleaned up, and I'm sure that's exactly what Tomlin went back in there and told his guys. Um, Black Air Force ones and all. <laughs> uh, but it's it's it, it was definitely a statement. I'd say this, though, give a lot of credit to the Steelers. That was a gutty performance and what we've grown accustomed to seeing from a Pittsburgh perspective. And, and oh, by the way, I think, I don't want to say apologies, but Mitch Trubisky actually looked pretty good in that game. So for all the talk that we've had on Total Access this offseason about should they go with Kenny Pickett, the rookie, or should it be Trubisky, I think Trubisky showed, hey, I actually deserve to be the starter. The defense was superior to what, what Cincinnati was throwing out offensively up front. Um, T.J. Watt was obviously spectacular. Now the wheels fall off a little bit on defense because Watt is now going to be banged up with, with that pec injury. But the Bengals right now should be cautiously optimistic by what we saw in week one because we know what they're capable of doing from a season ago, and they still have elite weapons. Look, there are certain organizations that you know what their identity is. And over time, when you got all these coaching changes, there's one thing that's abundantly clear about Mike Tomlin's Steelers. They're going to figure out ways to win. They're going to be tougher than you are more times than not. And their defense is what's going to rule supreme for them. So here's the deal with Cincinnati and what you have to look out for. Joe Burrow is an extremely talented quarterback. And he was put into a system with Zach Taylor that isn't necessarily, if you look historically, at that tree that he comes from. They're not a great drop back pass, just I'm gonna be seven yards behind the center and we're gonna just dial up, just precise, just chop you up on defense route concepts. They've never been good at that. They've always been a run, play action, scheme you up. Think about what we saw with Minnesota and Justin Jefferson running wide open in the secondary. Think about what you saw with Cooper Cup and Cooper Cup last year running wide open secondary. Like that's what Zach Taylor and Cincinnati is, is supposed to be, but they had to kind of adapt to the playing style of their quarterback and the skill positions that they have, the receivers. And Joe Mixon, yeah, he's great, but the skill guys and Joe Burrow's ability, has, his strength is spread it out, see what the defense is in, and then, and then get it there. That's not Zach Taylor's strength. So they're struggling schematically 
to block well enough. I mean, they, they revamped the, off, the, offense, the entire offensive line, like personnel-wise, and yet they're still giving up a lot of pressures and they're turning the ball over. So that's my only concern is, is the limitations in the schematics. Like, they have the guys, but I don't know. I'm not as optimistic as some of my buddies, Willie McGinnis, that this thing's going to turn around because I just don't see it from a schematic standpoint. They're just relying on Joe Burrow's greatness and his ability, which wasn't great the other day, but usually it is, and he can overcome that stuff. So we'll see what happens as the, as the year goes on. I'd like to see him, like Mooch even said, you know, when we were talking today, it's like, I want to see the pocket move a little bit. I want to see a little play action. That'll help your offense line. It'll help your quarterback not get hit as much. So we saw Kansas City rebuild their O-line or actually fix their O-line after the Super Bowl when Patrick Mahomes was running for his life the entire game. Well, they had a lot of injuries, right? And so they went out and drafted guys. They got uh, Joe Tooney. They got Creed Humphrey. They got uh, Trey Smith. They got all kinds of two rookies started. And all of a sudden, they go, we like these guys. They're pretty darn good. In fact, Creed Humphrey might be the best center in the National Football League as a second-year player this year. So they fixed that problem. Well, Dallas has to fix their offensive line problem. The Bengals had to fix theirs. They were exposed, not just in last year's Super Bowl, but they were exposed all year when... Joe Burrow gets sacked 70 times and hit and pressured countless times. They they set out and said, oh, we got to fix. We got to add to our thing, whether it's draft or whether it's uh, free agency. We got to find. Well, they'd sign four new guys. They're playing with four new guys. Their intent is to fix their line like Kansas City did. Well, it's easier said than done. We have to wait. They got some good guys, Kappa and, and Karras and Lyle Collins from Dallas, and they drafted the kid, Volson from North Dakota State, is starting at left guard. You don't want to start too many rookies on your offensive line, but but Kansas City had a good, good luck with two of them. Well, uh, keep in mind the Pittsburgh Steelers have been leading the world in sacking quarterbacks over the last five years. That's what they do before breakfast, all right? They didn't stop the run worth a darn last year, but they hit quarterbacks, all right? They hit, you saw TJ Watt, all right? He gets a sack and a pick, and then unfortunately he gets hurt. But that team is built that way. So it's, it was going to be tough on a new offensive line. Well, I like the guys they have. You know, these guys have all started for good football teams before. But as you know, an offensive line, they, that's a unit that it's not like a receiver. Just go run the passing routes over there by yourself. This is a line that has to talk to each other. They have to work in combination with each other. They have to make adjustments, pass off the games uh, when the people stunt against them. It takes time for them to become some sort of a cohesive group. And so... Uh, we all are concerned about, whoa, he still got sacked seven times and 35% pressured when he went back. They threw the ball too many times. I mean, they got a hell of a running back with Joe Mixon back there. Let's use him a little bit more. But the thing about this, if, if they had a problem <laughs> protecting their quarterback last year, which they did, and if they continue to have a problem hitting that franchise quarterback, then one solution, a couple solutions is, Run the ball a little more often. Two, throw the ball quicker like Tom Brady and Ben Roethlisberger did. 2.4 seconds. Get rid of it quicker so the rush can't get to you. And the third way is to move the pocket. We, we, we call it change the launch point. 
The launch point is where the ball is thrown from. Sometimes it's from three, five, or seven step depth. Sometimes it's play action and in the pocket. Sometimes it's move out of the pocket. And so uh, Joe Burrow is athletic enough to throw the ball on the run. I would like to see them change the launch point and get out of the pocket more often. I think that'll help them. They call me up and ask me, well, Mooch, what do you think? Will you move Joe Burrow out of the pocket once in a while and change the launch point? Okay. Still to come, a way too early case for Patrick Mahomes to win MVP. Why Justin Jefferson is the second coming of Randy Moss. Why the Packers are just fine. Thank you very much. And why the Dolphins are going to win the Super Bowl. But first... Stop calling tonight's Broncos-Seahawks game a revenge game. It is not a revenge game, at least not for Russell Wilson. Yeah, I think a lot of people think, like, oh, Russ is coming back to Seattle, and he's going to be in a new uniform. He has to beat his old team. I don't think he's going to be, one, received that way by the 12s or by the fans in Seattle. But also, like, what does he have to prove? He won a ring there. He did everything he needed to do there. He was traded. I mean, is it awkward? Yeah, probably. Will there be a little bit of pettiness? Sure. Especially because the Seahawks are actually wearing the highlighter green, as I call it. Are they trying to blind Russ just a little bit, as he did to so many teams before him? Maybe, perhaps. Um, But I don't think there's this underlying sort of situation like it was with Baker going up against the Browns. I think if it's a revenge game for anybody, maybe for Pete Carroll, maybe. Um, But I think, you know, people keep it classy as well. Now, once we go out there and things start to go one way or the other, maybe that context will change. But I think going into this game, um, I don't think either Russ or Pete Carroll are looking at it as a revenge anything. When I heard his interview, I was was even more excited for him because he talked about exactly what you would hope a professional football player would talk about. All the hype of him going back to Seattle— all he wanted to say was, all of that, if I let myself go down that path, it's a waste of time. Right? And that's all he said. He's like, I, have no, I, don't have a, I don't have a spare moment to waste on thinking about that. All I have is time to prepare. Right? And it's like, that's, yeah, yes, it's exactly right. That's why you are who you are. That's why you're going to go to Seattle and you're going to blow them out. Like, that's, just, that's just what it is. right? So you're going to do what you have to do. You've got a good run game. You're going to get to the open guy. And, and the rest of the stuff is going to happen, but it's not going to be because he was interested in coming to Seattle to get a, some type of revenge or something. He, he's just interested in playing good football because he understands that he's got to play good football. When you start looking at the AFC West in this division, like you got to figure it out quick. And I think that, I think that he understands that. So that's why I'm excited for, for Russ. Well, for Russell, I think Russell did, Russell did what, he, what, what made him a superstar in this league in Seattle. He won a Super Bowl. He was, he's, he's one of the more electrifying players. Um, I just think Russell didn't have certain things that he wanted. Um, he wanted to have input on guys that he was going to be playing with. Um, he wanted, you know, to upgrade certain positions, whether it's the O-line or whatever the case may be. He wanted to feel like he was a part of the organization and some of the decisions being made, which if this is your franchise guy and he has lifted you to victories on his back and some of these crazy plays that we've seen and his arm – you have to give him that respect. The same thing Aaron Rodgers was asking for in Green Bay. And he didn't get that. But he was able to move on to a place where he wanted, that's number one, get a, a huge contract extension, which he deserves, and be with a really, really good football team, a good young and up-and-coming football team that has 
elite players or really good players in every single position offensively with an upgrade at the O-line, at, with the O-line, a top 10 O-line, and a really young, good defense. So when, when it all comes down to it, it's like, who's revenge? Like, I don't know if Russell's really upset that he, you know, he moved on from Seattle. I think it was, a, it was a business decision for him. I think his time had ran out. I think Seattle, on the other hand, tried to do everything they could to circumvent the situation and keep him there, make him happy. I don't think they did enough. Um, and I think Russell moved on and is happy where he is. You can see it. You know, when he talks, he's always upbeat. Let's ride. Yeah, let's ride is his new saying. Um, you know, you can see the energy that he's bought and the people that he's dealing with, you know, in Denver. And on the other hand, um, he left a team that has a lot of questions. You know, he left a team that still trying to figure out who's going to be the starting quarterback. Um, the defense has a lot of work to do. They got a, they got, they got, they got stability at the run, at the running position, at the running back position. But there's still gaps with the O line. You know, the protection is still an issue. So, I think Russell kind of upgraded with when you look at his total package. He upgraded. So I think it's the team that he left is really looking for a little bit of revenge. They're wearing his favorite uniform. The, the green, and his jersey is on sale for half off. So, you know, they, they, they got a clear inventory. Everything must go. Everything Russell must go because there is a new era that's about to start. But we don't know what that era is yet. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. 
You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is NFL Total Access, the podcast, and one of the more indulgent joys of NFL fandom is the annual exercise in wildly overreacting to the first week of the NFL season. For instance, you may be guilty of saying this yesterday. Patrick Mahomes, MVP, guaranteed. What did he do yesterday? Just terrified the entire league. If, if you think that, and, and I don't think that any of us really thought that they were going to fall off a cliff with Tyreek Hill, we did point to what they would have to do, and that was Pat Mahomes would have to take a page out of Tom Brady's playbook and delegate and like get the ball out of your hand, be efficient. Andy Reid and being, those guys, those guys nailed it. I mean, because if you watch that compared to like, for instance, what we just talked about, Cincinnati and that play calling system and what you saw in Kansas City, Kansas City is terrifying because they have they have speed everywhere. They have guys that can catch it and run with it. They still have Travis Kelsey, and they still have Pat Mahomes, who now is doing exactly what I was hoping, not really hoping, I guess, if my brother's the quarterback of the Raiders, but hoping that he would do to be successful, which is he is now playing quarterback. And that's terrifying, because if you have a guy with that skill set that can make plays off the cuff and outside the X's and O's the way he does, and is now playing inside the system and getting the ball out of his hand quickly to these playmakers, man, watch out. 30 for 39, 360 yards, five touchdowns, zero picks, nine different receivers. Incredible. Didn't hold the ball, didn't try to make all these hero plays, scrambling around the backfield, taking negative plays, got the ball out quickly, was very efficient. 30 of 39, I mean, come on. I mean, I throw the ball 60 times if I'm them based on that, but it was, it was really nice to watch. Pat Mahomes with the five touchdowns, I think, pumped the brakes for the entire league who doubted what Kansas City was going to be without Tyreek Hill. I don't know if I'm willing to say he's going to be the MVP this season. Now, there's certainly a strong argument for him, but I think, look, the Thursday night matchup will go at least a little bit of a ways because Justin Herbert obviously balled out. There's enough guys who had really impressive week one performances where Mahomes is probably in the lead and one of those front runners, but I think there's an up-and-coming group. What in hell, I mean, we can even talk about the Thursday night game and what Josh Allen was able to do. I don't know if we can make an argument that the Chiefs are better without Tyreek Hill, but we kept saying all this entire preseason, hey, this offense is going to look different, maybe a little less explosive. That offense was still explosive in week number one against Arizona. So I, I think, at least in my mind, while it's probably not going to be as explosive without a, a guy like Tyreek, I still think the tools are in place for Patrick Mahomes to make an argument that he's still the MVP in this, in this league. Next up, it's quite possible you know someone who said this on Sunday. Randy Moss, he's got nothing on Justin Jefferson. This guy is the best, like, ever. I have no idea what this accent is. I actually think Justin Jefferson is solidifying himself as the best wide receiver in the NFL. Brand new offense uh, with O'Connell who takes in there. Kirk Cousins was on point. They're matching up against a, a pretty good Green Bay defense, and that's in a lot of ways the strength of that ball club. To me, to have to see the type of performance that Jefferson had, some of those individual catches. I mean, there was one he had in the first half. He jumps up and almost spins 360 and catches the ball over his head. To me, one of the more impressive 
individual catches, but then the numbers speak volume. So I actually do think it's not an overreaction. I would put Jeff and Justin Jefferson on the short list of the elite wide receivers, top three right now. And by the end of the season, I think we could be talking about him as the best in the NFL. <laughs> so what happens is, and we kind of warned you about this last week, is you have a brand new system. You don't necessarily know, you know, if you're the Packers, who, again, Willie McGinnis thinks the Packers have a great defense. I agree with him. You don't necessarily know what that's going to look like. Like, you show up in Minnesota, where's just like, you think you can just pop on the Rams film and be like, okay, find where Cooper Cup is, and we'll know where Justin Jefferson is. It's not that easy. You got you to gotta get some of this on film, see what O'Connell is actually going to look like as a play caller, and then it'll settle down. Like, Justin Jefferson's not going to run wide open in the secondaries for 16, 17 weeks. This is not going to happen. People will figure out what they do, but, but I will say it's a, it's a great marriage between him and Kirk Cousins. That looks pretty good so far. Um, but but let's not let's not overreact and think that it's just going to be this you know three thousand yard receiving season. Notable guys like Justin Jefferson, one of the best receivers in the league. You always got to have somebody on him or have eyes on him where he's at. He had a monstrous game, and it's just certain things fundamentally and technique wise you just don't do. So I expect this defense to bounce back. I know who their defensive coordinator is, Joe Barry. He's gonna hey he's gonna show it. He's going to call guys out. He's going to make people accountable. And I expect to see a little bit more because they got a better team than that. They got a better defense than that. They got some really good players. I think it's blown coverages. I think some probably has to do with game planning, knowing what Green Bay plays are in. But again, there still will be guys a couple yards within the receiver. There are certain plays I didn't even see a guy in the pitcher when he was catching the ball. And, you know, can't you can't have that. Not with one of the best receivers in the league. I keep stressing that because. When you go in and game plan against offenses, you call them out. You call out the top guys, whether it's the running back, quarterback, receiver, whoever. You call those guys out, and you have you you have special emphasis in not letting those type of guys ruin games. The defense is a good defense. They've shown that. So um, it's embarrassing. So when you get embarrassed as a really good defense or a player, what do you do? You take it personal. You go back to the drawing board. And you make adjustments. MJ Acosta Ruiz is fully willing to admit that she is guilty of saying this on Sunday. I am very excited about this Dolphins team. And you know that I like to proceed when it comes to my Dolphins with cautious optimism, right? That's how we roll in Miami. I think we've been hurt for so long um, that we know not to get ahead of ourselves. But I'm going to say it. Overreaction Monday, we're going to the Super Bowl, baby. This is amazing. Let me have this, okay? Let me live in this moment. Even if it's just for week one. No, but I, I think what they showed out there, and Mike McDaniel, have a day, take a bow. This is a man who did a feature interview and showed the reporter his Pop Warner, his just, you know, junior football helmet when he was a kid. And inside of it, he had the stickers of every NFL team. And he wrote, I will make it to the NFL. I will, I will, I will all over the inside of this helmet. Beautiful. Jeff Darlington. I have to give him the credit for that. Um, posting that on Instagram yesterday. And it just shows that like an unassuming, undersized, seemingly nerdy kid that has a beautiful football mind made it. And he's now at the head of this Dolphins team. And he beat Bill Belichick, who is notoriously great against coaches making their debuts in the league. I think it was a statement for him. I think it was a statement for this team. Uh, and I think the Dolphins are only going to improve from here moving forward. And finally, as the biblical end of days rains fell on Soldier Field. 
Did this thought seep into your consciousness? Jimmy G, back in the starting lineup, week three, mark my words. I think it's it's not time to panic. Can we overreact? Sure, it's what we do on Mondays after any week, but certainly week one, especially with the amount of eyeballs that have been on this team and on this young quarterback taking over with his coach saying from the beginning of training camp, this is his team. Okay, fair enough, Shani. It is his team, but it's clearly going to take a minute for him to get his bearings with this offense, with the guys around him, and to really take command as the starting quarterback of the Niners. It is an overreaction because Trey Lance has his resume with the Niners is a year and a half of film and practice and meetings and being around and testing and all the things that they have to evaluate. Can he lead? Is he resilient? Can he improve? Is he coachable? All those things have already been determined. He is their guy, all right? Now, this was a, it was a bad game. Not just for Trey Lance, but you take away Kittle. You, the running back comes out hurt, Elijah Mitchell. And it rains like a son of a gun, which is like the great equalizer, and anything can happen. So one loss in Chicago to a team they really should have beat is not a, a, a reason to panic. But, but they're feeling good, A, that they have an insurance policy with Jimmy G. They feel good about they've reduced his contract to six and a half million. Anybody can pick that up on a trade. The, the reason they did that is to back up Trey and to have as trade bait, okay, before the trading deadline in October, if a starting quarterback gets hurt. Well, it's already happened in the league. They're certainly not going to suddenly be like, oh, Jimmy G's a starter. We know that's not how Shanahan rolls. He has put his stamp of approval on Trey Lance for good reason. I think despite everything that was going on on that field, we still saw him move in the pocket. We still saw him get yards on the ground as the quarterback, and that's exactly what they wanted from him. It just all needs to be cleaned up, uh, be a little bit more polished, way more polished, maybe a little drier. They'll be back home in, in Santa Clara next week. Um, so I think we'll get a much clearer read of, of Trey Lance. And you know what? A little adversity, I think, especially for a young quarterback, will help him. He'll be better for the wear uh, from what we saw this week. All right. I got to spend some time around that San Francisco team in, the, in uh, training camp. It is very easy to point to Trey Lance and be overly concerned. Two things stand out to me. Number one, the conditions were absolutely horrific. I think everyone saw that. And while the rain looked worse late in that game, it was really wet. I was actually on one of my feeds able to watch some of those warm-ups with Trey. Justin Fields was throwing with a glove, which I found interesting. And Trey Lance wasn't throwing with a glove. And I think the one thing, there was a couple throws that I saw from Trey that were similar to the throws that I saw in training camp. I remember when he got drafted, I was up at Niners camp, and there was this rocket fastball that Trey Lance has. And it's like, damn, now I see why they made the move from Jimmy to Trey. The one thing that I didn't think you saw enough of in spot duty that he had a season ago was those intermediate passes. And what I saw there in August was a few of those throws to Brandon Ayuk just over the outstretched hands of a couple linebackers, that second-tier uh, intermediate pass. And I actually saw one of those throws to Brandon Ayuk, which impressed me, those touch passes. So I'm not willing to say, and I know fans in the Bay Area, oh, this is why we have Jimmy. I think the conditions were awful. And if you want to talk about overreactions, to me, you mentioned some of the but we talked a little bit about some of the uh, statistical dominance numbers-wise that Cincinnati had in their defeat against Pittsburgh. I'd say this, in that first half, 
The Niners should have been up large in that game, and the fact that they weren't, to me, means there's some, some sides of life from that San Francisco offense. So I, I, I'm, I think it's an overreaction to hit the panic button on Trey Lance. And I, as a quarterback, I know. Like, you watch Justin Fields, you watch Trey. They're trying gloves on before the game. It's soaking wet. Like, to, until uh, go to your local sporting goods store, grab an NFL football, go outside, put a water hose on it, and try to throw it and hit a car. Like, it's just... <laughs> it's almost impossible. Like, it's a very difficult thing to do. So I think we just need to pump our brakes on both those guys. Like, even though Fields won the game, like, they're going to say, oh, he kind of looked right. No. Like, they were in survival mode, man. Like, that was get a win however possible and get out of here. This is NFL Total Access, the podcast. Tomorrow on the show, we will hear from Dallas owner Jerry Jones, from Packers two-time reigning MVP Aaron Rodgers, and we will reveal the secret to Saquon's success. But before we do, let's let the kid enjoy one hell of a comeback game, shall we? Shovel pass for Barkley. Barkley in for the two-point conversion. Oh, a little shovel pass to Saquon, and then he did the rest, taking on defenders, and the Giants have the lead, 21-20, with 106 to go. That's playing to win there, Bob. Wow. Welcome back. <laughs> when he was drafted out of Penn State, I mean, he was like the it. And and he, his rookie year was good. He started off fine, and the Giants aren't a good team. And the guy's been hurt. You know, it's injuries sometimes are just, you know, it's not that maybe some guys are made of crystal and they're injury prone. Call, call it what you want. But sometimes it's just un, unlucky. Okay? Sometimes it's a freakish kind of injury. And he's missed 18 games in the last two years. That's a, that's a son of a gun to deal with. Your star is sitting there watching in pajamas and he's getting ice. And that's a shame. But you know what? He looked healthy. He looked fast. He looked happy. They were down. He kept playing with Daniel Jones, his other young buddy there. And uh, they got it done. And uh, they flip it to him to win the game in a two-point try. It was, I'm happy for the kid. Let's just keep our fingers crossed that he plays the rest of the season. Finally, let's give a little love to the two other players who tripped the TA baller alert. Wow. Khalil Mack and Tua Tonka-Vailoa. So why, why I love what I saw from Miami and Mike McDaniels and Tua is because he has clearly put in the time to, as much as he can, master this system. He knows where to go and he's ripping through his progressions and he's incredibly accurate. He, he may be limited physically, Maybe he's not a Justin Herbert or, or he's not maybe a Patrick Mahomes. But, man, he, he's like a throwback. To, and I know he's left-handed, so that's easy. But Steve Young to me just screams Steve Young, a guy that can move, can run. It has an incredibly quick release and is very accurate. And now he has, he has the guys. Like, you remember Jalen Waddle, like on fourth and seven, 20 seconds left in the half. He's got an aggressive play caller as a coach. That, Waddle wasn't his first read. If you watch that film, he goes through the first two guys and instantly snaps that thing across the middle. And it's like, okay, now th- we can work with this. So I, that's why I picked him is because he, he definitely, he dug into this system and he, he's trying to master it as fast as he can. And that's a great combination. When you have playmakers like they have and you got a guy that can identify what's happening and get it to them accurately and quickly, man, we'll all live with a lack of some of the physical ability to be able to have a guy like that. I got to give Khalil Mack some love. And the reason why is because... Um, they desperately, the Chargers desperately needed pass rush. They desperately needed a force in the running game up front. What did they do? They went out and they got about seven players in free agency to come and help that team, being one Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack had forced fumbles. He had tackle for losses. He had tackles. He had three sacks. He came in and showed everybody 
why, one, he's Khalil Mack and still Khalil Mack, and, and another point is why this defense is now going to be one of the better defenses because they got talent on every single level, but you got to have the horses up front to dominate the trenches, and he came out with the bang against one of the better teams in his division that has a lot of firepower. So um, when you end the game, on a, on, on a, on a game-winning sack to shut everything down, on a walk-off sack, as we call it, um, it looks good. It looks good. And I've been calling this defense out. I've been giving him props all offseason. And it's good to make us all look good like we kind of know what we're talking about. Our thanks to MJ Acosta-Ruiz, Mike Yam, Willie McGinnis, David Carr, and the Moochie man himself, Steve Mariucci. We'll be back tomorrow for yet another NFL Total Access, the podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.